Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. We're your happy hosts, Amy and Madeline, best friends who work hard and hustle harder. We believe to be happy and healthy in your work, you need to be happy and healthy in your life. We combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of normal people with inspiring lives. From leading entrepreneurs to athletes, models and artists, together we delve deep into their journey to success to find out why health and well-being is at the core of their philosophy. Whether you're looking for advice and guidance for leading your best life, an engaging, easy-to-digest pep talk, or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking ass in work and play. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, before we get started with today's episode, we just wanted to let you all know about a very exciting event that we're involved in on the 28th of October. It's called Self Care Sunday, and it's proudly supported by WorkSafe. It's being held at Johnson's Park in Geelong on Sunday, the 28th of October, and it is a day full of health and well-being activities featuring a stellar lineup of guests, including Kit Girls, Steph Claire Smith and Laura Henshaw, celebrity chef Luke Hines, and self-love guru Melissa Ambrosini. We would absolutely love you guys to all be there and join us. So the event kicks off at 9am in Johnson Park in Geelong, which is conveniently located next to the train station. So for all our Melbourne hustlers, you guys can jump on the train and come on down and join us in Geelong for a day full of health and wellbeing activity. So please invest in yourself and register today at selfcaresunday.com.au. We'll see you there. Now this week, we're continuing to mix things up and we're bringing you the other Healthy Hustlers story, which is Amy's. And I'm so excited to be able to interview her today. So, Ames, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thanks, Mads. I'm excited to share my story today. So, let's kick off by hearing about your happy place. Where do you go to unwind and reconnect? Like you, my happy place is really cliche. You are a beach girl and I am your classic river girl. I grew up in Derudery near the Murray River, about a 45-minute drive away, and all of my summer holidays were spent with friends camping on the Murray River and just having the best time. So whenever I can, which is, to be honest, not often enough, I get back there and, and enjoy the time in the sunshine. Oh, that sounds delightful. And do you have a happy place that's closer to home that you can get to a little bit more often? In my bedroom, I created this little space for me. It's literally a nice big chair that faces a wall. And I've got a little table that has a candle and it's got my angel cards and a crystal. And on the wall, I've stuck up my affirmations and some pictures of where I'd like my life to be and also my family now so I can look at that and I can be grateful. And I try and jump in there every single morning and just spend five minutes practicing gratitude and relaxing before my day starts with the kids running in and yeah, interrupting my morning. Oh, that sounds really magical. I love that idea so much. Now let's take it all the way back and get a sneak peek peek into little Amy growing up. So I grew up in Drildery, which is a small little town in country New South Wales, north of the Victorian border. And I was lucky enough to live in the town for most of my childhood days, but do also own a farm. And we were so lucky. We had a big creek that went right through the property and 
many jams. So our childhood days were spent swimming, but also riding motorbikes and helping mum and dad with the sheep. And and then in the town, we spent a lot of time at swimming club, <laughs> playing netball and just doing all the fun things that country kids do. So I went to Gerildry Public School until about year six, where mum took me over to Yurana. And that was a really great year for me because at Gerildry Primary, I had a lot of friends, but I also did experience quite a bit of bullying. And so when I went over to Yorana, within two weeks, I actually was named the school captain, which changed my whole life and probably the way that I felt about myself because I went from a little girl who felt really dorky and unpopular and I don't know, I just didn't have much self-confidence to this girl that was bright and bubbly and full of confidence and I felt like I don't know I I thought the boys were interested in me and (laughs) girls wanted to be my friend and it was really nice time so that by the time I went to high school at Finley I was yeah as I said really confident and I, I fit in which was really nice for the first time in my life I felt like that transition phase for me was easy and I didn't have a hard time making friends, which was awesome. Anyway, so spent year seven, eight, nine at Finley High School. And then in year 10, mum and dad sent me to boarding school with a few of my really good friends, which I begged to go because I didn't want to get left behind. And it was kind of the cool thing to do at the time. I have no idea how mum and dad could afford it because it was like $30,000 a year. And that honestly was so much money. We were never a poor family, but we never had a lot of money. So yeah, that year for me was such a fun year. I felt really independent and I had lots of great times. But at the end of the year, I really struggled because we had some really big issues in my family. Ever since I remember, my family were on one part, really loving and supportive. And my parents gave us everything that we could have ever dreamed of. Honestly, they drove us to every sport lesson. They cooked us beautiful meals and they took such great care of us. But unfortunately, we did witness quite a lot of domestic abuse and domestic violence growing up. My parents came from families where there was just, I don't even know how to explain it, but there was just a lot of anger and resentment. There was mental health issues and infidelity. There were lots of things that happened in my extended family that I think impacted my parents growing up. And so, yeah, we, we really did grow up with one part of being, you know, yeah, enjoying our childhood. But the other part of it was being scared at night because mum and dad were fighting. So at the end of year 10, I found out that our family had a really big breakdown and dad decided to take me out of boarding school and I was to go back and live at home. And to me, that was just like, absolutely, hell no, I'm not going to move home because I'd been out of the house for a year. I'd had a year without any issues. There were no, um, there was no fighting in my life. So instead, I was always quite a strong-willed little girl. And if I wanted to find a way to make something happen, I knew how to do it. So there was a town called Cobram about 45 minutes from Drilldry and I don't even know how I got over there but I got over there and I went to the supermarket and there was a notice board that had a lady's phone number on it and she was taking in billeting accommodation so I called her up and said I'm looking for somewhere to live will you take me in and she said yes so I did my year 11 schooling at Cobram Secondary College and I was basically 
even though I lived with this lady, I was still responsible for running my own life. So I'd have to sign all of my own permission notes and I would have to pay for my own accommodation. I'd have any spending money, I'd have to pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. And that didn't last very long. Being a 15-year-old and wanting to just run her own life, I <laughs> quickly realised that living with an old lady was not the right solution for me. And so I decided to find my own accommodation and somehow this little 15-year-old girl was able to convince a real estate agent to lease me my own flat. I have a feeling my nan must have somehow helped me because I don't know where I would have got a thousand dollars at the time to pay the bond, but I have a feel I just have this little memory of nan secretly sending me some money and I had my own apartment and I invited my boyfriend to move in with me, which is any parent's worst nightmare really, especially because my family were quite religious and that lasted a few months before the relationship just did not work out. And I found myself to be homeless for a couple of months. So what that meant was that I would have to go and stay at a different friend's house every week. I just told the parents, oh, look, I just don't want to go home to mum and dad's house every night because it's an hour drive each way and it's too hard with going to school. So I have all these special friends that would take me in week by week and I would just rotate my, yeah, rotate houses until the end of year 11. Somehow I did finish year 11. And by this stage, my world was spiraling out of control quite a lot. I guess you could say I was struggling a lot on the inside, but I was known to be quite confident and fun loving on the outside. And I think by the end of that year, mum and dad found out that I was basically homeless and they knew, they, I guess they felt responsibility for what had happened to me in that year. So they said to me, look, Ames, we want to see you getting back on track. You can either go back to Genazano or you can go and have a year overseas and get away for a little bit. So I decided to go back to Genazano because I still had a really close relationship with the girls back there. And I knew that I wanted to finish year 12. And if I didn't finish year 12 at that stage, I probably wouldn't go back. So I went back to Genazano and it really was the best thing that ever happened to me because I got back to that, those loving friendships and just that lifestyle. I think there's, I think being at a private school, you're surrounded by a lot of high achieving people. The one thing I did really struggle to academically to, to catch back up to the girls and my social life was a big part of my focus by that stage. But I still, I made it through with a 75 enter score and I was quite proud of myself by the end to see where I'd come from, you know, the year before to finishing and having options. It was a milestone, a milestone to even finish high school, I guess you could say. Congratulations to you for doing that. You got better than me at school. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm sure there's some parts that are, yeah, quite hard for you to open up about, but you've definitely shared it without fear. So thank you for doing so. And I like that you touched on being a strong-willed. I think you're still very strong-willed and I can see that in your little girls as well. And I know there's one story that you've told me about your childhood, which I think just summarises you, your determination and your resilience so much um, about when you started the car wash. (laughs) Do you want to share that with everyone? (laughs) I think it's honestly like my all-time favourite story. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. So... Yes, I was a very strong-willed little girl. And if I had my mindset about doing something, 
there was no stopping me. I would make it happen. And so when I started year seven at Finley High School, my parents were so strict. They were really heavily involved in the church and they had just decided that there was no way in hell that I was able to or allowed to go to the Blue Light Disco which was a 45-minute drive away from my house. They were like, it is absolute sin city. You're not going. And to me, that was just the worst news I'd ever heard. And I was not having a bar of it. So I remember there was, this probably fueled me because there was the first disco that I just, I wasn't allowed to go and I didn't go. And I heard all of the stories at school that next week about what had happened and the fun that had been had and I was like okay girls I need to make a plan I'm going to the next disco if your parents didn't take you and your friends parents weren't allowed to take you there was actually no way to get there so I decided to hold a bikini car wash to raise the money to be able to pay a bus driver to take not only me, but all of the kids in the town. Off we went and we, boys and girls, did a big bikini car wash in the main street of the town. And we made over $200 in a few hours. We had the money to pay the bus driver. I had organised the bus. We had all the kids going, but I still wasn't allowed to go. So every single month, I had to sneak out my bedroom window to get on the bus to the disco that I had organised. And... Yeah, this happened for a few months until mum finally found out. And after, I think, about six months, she did relax a little bit. I think she realised that there was no way that I was giving up on going to the disco and I did get my way in the end. (laughs) I could imagine you would have, definitely. (laughs) Oh, geez, Elise. Now, I'd love to delve into your career a little bit. Can you shed some insight for our listeners as to what has led you to this point? Yeah, sure. So after high school... As I said, I finished with a 75 enter score, but I had no idea about what I wanted to do with my life. I decided that I was going to become a hairdresser, start an apprenticeship at Bieber in Camberwell for a few months until I realised that I hated repeating myself over and over again about my life story to every client. And I also knew that my friends were about to go off to uni and they were about to go and have the best time of their lives. So I quickly got out of that and I applied for a uni degree down in Geelong, applied into a degree of business management. But I didn't apply in time to get a place on campus. So when I started university, I actually chose to move in with some third year, which was really, really fun. I had the best time, but the people that I moved in with had already studied for quite a while and they were at the end. So they were basically just in party central. And so I didn't really ever connect into university and understand about the process and how you had to just I didn't even know about the, the portal I didn't understand what the deacon portal was and how to submit any assignments so I didn't ever actually submit one assignment so after six months of doing that and putting on 10 kilos because I was partying way too much I realized that it wasn't the right time for me and so I moved back up to Melbourne and I got my first job at the Pacific group of companies which was a big company that owns shopping centers and property and so I was this little 18 year old with my first job as a receptionist and I was actually earning quite a good salary at that stage I never forget about I don't know six months into my job and I had my first role review and my manager said I don't actually know an 18 year old who is would be getting paid so much as you because I think I just had the gift of the gab in my interview I didn't tell them how old I was And so they just thought that I was, I don't know, maybe 23 or 24. 
anyway, poor them realizing that they'd just employed an 18 year old. And so I worked in Melbourne for a couple of years. And at this stage I was living with my boyfriend in South Bank and we had a really great life. We were partying on the weekends. I was able to shop and do all the fun things that an 18 year old would be doing. One night after being out in Port Melbourne for most of the night, it was a Sunday morning and I remember waking up in absolute shock. I literally sat up in my bed and was like, I've got to go and have a pregnancy test. And so I went straight to the supermarket and I got a pregnancy test. I came home and I peed on the stick and I looked at the stick and it was positive. I still can't believe to this day that I found out that I was pregnant through a dream. And I think that was probably my first ever spiritual experience. The universe must have been saying, hang on, girlfriend, you're pregnant. You've got to stop partying on the weekends because there's something going on here. I went down to St Kilda where there was a doctor's surgery open on the Sunday and I confirmed that the pregnancy was, it was positive and I was having a baby. And I went down to the beach. I lay on the beach for about four or five hours and just thinking, okay, Amy, 19 and pregnant, great. (laughs) What are you going to do with your life? You've just, you know, messed up or, you know, you've given away all of your life's opportunities. And then I remember just, I think I was lying there so long that I played every single option over in my head about five or six times. And by the end of the time that I was there, I remember thinking, no, Amy, you're in this position for a reason. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby and you're still going to have the best life that you've ever wanted to have. I remember walking back to the apartment with my head held high and I was a little bit nervous to walk into the apartment because I hadn't told my boyfriend at that stage that I was pregnant. And I walked in and I looked at him and I said, we're having a baby. And he took it really well, surprisingly. And that was that. I had my mind up. I was having a baby and the world better get ready for it, basically. I was really nervous to tell my parents and my friends because I was just scared, I guess, that I was going to lose some of my friends and what they would think of me. But that was the hardest part. As soon as I told everybody, it was just time to get on with life. And so nine months later, I gave birth to beautiful little Lily Rose at the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. And I had no idea what I was doing, mainly because I didn't go to any of my birthing classes or anything like that. I was this naive 19-year-old. But as soon as I saw her, I fell in love and... I knew that I was going to be a good mum and that we were going to grow up together and have a great life. I found that motherhood came quite naturally to me and I think that was probably because I didn't have any friends that had a baby at that stage. So I didn't have that comparison of mums telling me what they were doing. As far as I was concerned, everything that I was doing was right. And so, and Lily was actually a really good baby. I was so lucky by honestly five months, she was sleeping all the way through the night. When Lily got to a year old, I'd been having all of these thoughts about wanting to travel. And I had a lot of friends living over in London at the time. And I just started convincing myself that that would be a viable option for me. And I, even though I had a baby, I could still travel. And so after a month or so of nagging my boyfriend at the time that we should sell our house and move overseas. He actually agreed. We told all of our friends and family that we were selling everything and we were moving over to Europe 
they thought we were crazy by the way and they more, I think my mum cried for about a month when I told her I'm not even actually joking every time I would pick up the phone she'd be like oh my god how do you think you can take a baby overseas are you crazy you've always been crazy <laughs> anyway luckily I didn't listen because we got on the plane we had Lily in the pram and we had three suitcases and we landed in London and we were so very excited. We spent a month in England. We spent a month in France and Italy. We went and took her over to do Gallipoli and Anzac Day over in Turkey. And then we settled down in Barcelona for seven months where I worked in a bar for a little while. And then we just traveled on the weekends and we were having the best time. And I think that time really cemented in my mind that you really can do anything that you set your mind to. And it's really just your own fear and it's your own boundaries that you put on yourself. And so I have had that attitude. I think I've had a part of it my whole life. But for me, after that experience, I came home with this newfound confidence. One, as a young mum, it was probably good for me to have some time away and to have all of those experiences being a young mum. One, because I think it also changed other people's attitudes of me. At home, a lot of my friends after that time said to me, oh my goodness, I can't believe that you've just had this amazing time with a baby overseas. And... Yeah, so I came home with more of a purpose, I guess you can say. And when I was coming home, the time of traveling was coming to an end. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm coming home unless I get a job at the Cottonom Group. And I had some, a little bit of marketing experience and I had a bit of coordinating experience from my time at the Pacific Group. After being a receptionist, I did kind of work my way up into the marketing team where I was helping with center, um, shopping center promotions, etc. But probably not the experience that I needed to, to have a job at the Cottonum Group. Anyway, I got a couple of interviews and luckily enough scored a role as the visual merchandising coordinator for Cottonum Kids. And walking into that building, I was in my element. I literally would walk around for the first six months going, oh my goodness, I work here. <laughs> this is awesome. Don't they know I have no experience and I'm a fraud? <laughs> I mustn't have been that much of a fraud because I seemed to be able to get my work done and I had a lot of responsibility and I was in charge of organising all of their global new store openings. The team, so coordinating the VM team and their global visual merchandising document. So I'd put that together for them every month. After working in that team for about two years, it got to the stage where I really realised that there wasn't anywhere else in the company that I could go without having to go back to uni and study. So I didn't want to be a buyer. There was accountants, there was lots of positions, but none really that were relevant for me. So I started to get a little bit uh, nervous because I didn't want to leave the Cottonum Group. I loved that place so much, but I also knew that time was coming to an end in that role. I was ready to move on. And then one day a position was advertised in the Cottonum Foundation events team, the Run Australia team. And my stomach literally dropped when that role was advertised. I was so excited. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have purpose. I could totally be an events coordinator. I've been organizing events my whole life. Anyway, that's not exactly true, but I <laughs> told myself that I was. I applied for the role and I got an interview, which was awesome, but did not get the role. That shattered me a little bit and it made me think, oh crap, okay, what will my next steps be? What will my purpose be? Anyway, I decided to sit in the role for a little amount of time and the role came up again after a few months and so I applied for it again 
And this time I was certain I would get the job. I practiced every night about my interview. And anyway, I didn't get the job again. And I was shattered. I told myself, okay, well, if I can't move forward here, I'm going to have to go back to uni and study in events or PR or something like that. By this stage, I was actually single and I quit my job and I was like, oh crap. I'm going to have to support Lily somehow and go back to uni. I got into an events and PR course at Deakin and I was about two days away from leaving when the general manager of the foundation called me and actually offered me the role in the events team. And by this stage, I was a little bit annoyed and I was like, you can't have me now. It's too late. I'm going to uni to study. But my friends luckily talked me off a ledge and they said, Amy, you're about to go back to uni and study for three years for this job. So don't be stupid, let go of your ego and take the position. So I did. I took the position as events coordinator. (laughs) Yeah, thank goodness, because my next role was with you, Madeline, and I entered the team in, I think it might have been 2014. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as events coordinator, we had the responsibility of organising two events each. It was Run Townsville and Run Ballarat, and they were my events. And so basically we're responsible for organising these events from start to finish, from sponsorship to marketing to event operations, absolutely everything required for these charity fund runs. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot of responsibility. I fake it till you make it. (laughs) Yeah, I just said to myself, you've got to fake it till you make it, Amy. And that I did. And do you know what? I was in my element and I really did excel in the role. So much so that after three years, you actually left the team, lads, but after three years, I was managing the team. I would always tease Sam McGuire and my manager. I still tease him about it because he didn't get, give me the job twice. And I would still, I still say to him to this day, well, you almost didn't give your star student the role. <laughs> and I was only the star student, Madeline, because you had already left the team. <laughs> if anyone knows Sam, Matt is, is definitely the favourite. <laughs> to this day that was an awesome time for us and we learned so much we were traveling around Australia all the time um, sometimes for more than a couple of weeks and I was lucky enough to be able to take Lily with me on some of those trips but the one thing that did suffer constantly was our own health and wellness we were not eating well we were not exercising very often and we were just eating crap we were just eating crap on the run we weren't meditating we were just giving a lot and having a great time, but we didn't really care about ourselves in that way, I guess. And so constantly we would find ourselves getting sick and having burnouts. Me especially, I think being a young mum as well, I was, you know, always working before I got to work, working at work, and then I'd get home to a child. So I knew that something was going to have to change, but I didn't really realise that it was the way that I was treating myself. I just thought that an events manager wasn't for me after a while. And so when I got pregnant, I got married. I met Jay at Cotton On actually. And Cotton On's given me a lot, Madeline. It's given me a great career and a husband. Explain to people how you actually met Jay. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So on my very first day at Cotton On, and I mean my very first day, the girls in my team said to me, okay, so you've got half an hour to find an office boyfriend and it can be anyone in the office you you don't have exclusivity over this boy they can be shared with someone else in the team but it was really someone that you looked at and said oh what are they wearing or you know here's my office boyfriend I looked around the office and I chose Jay anyway at the time I thought his name was Ben <laughs> I still had a, I still looks like a was ben. Not, 
Yeah, he does look like a femme. I was not single at this stage, by the way. So I was fully committed and there was nothing, um, there was nothing to it. But after about a year and a bit, I remember once I ran into him in the gym and he was sitting behind me and he was lifting up some weights and he looked at me and was like, oh shit, my weights are uneven. And I ran back to the office and said, girls, my office boyfriend just spoke to me. <laughs> I thought it was the biggest deal. Anyway, that was silly. We were at a Christmas party in 2012. He helped me up onto the stage. And from there, it was it's funny, like we just made eye contact and the rest is history, really. We started dating. But the funny part about it was that I found out about a few months into dating him and he was actually overseas. He spent some time overseas after we first met. I was on a bus and I told a girl that I'd been dating this guy from the office and she said, oh my goodness, Jay, he's had a crush on you for so long. And so we call it bait because we both really liked each other, but had no idea. We hadn't talked for the first year and a half. Anyway, that's a silly little story. No, I love that. You two are totally soulmates. You can see it in every little ounce of you two when you're together. Oh, thanks, Mads. So we married in 2016 and... Unfortunately, Jay suffered a couple of major concussions and so it was really hard for him to keep working. So when I fell pregnant with our littlest girl, Annie, I knew that something was going to have to change because I didn't want to have to go back to working as an event manager full-time and I knew that Jay couldn't keep up working and he needed to have a break. So we decided to start our own event hire and event manager business. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, we were so lucky that... We had great contacts to be able to get a lot of furniture quite quickly. And then because of my contacts with Ran Geelong, I already had a great network of connections in Geelong. And so I found getting jobs quite easy. And so we were able to build our event management company up very quick. But when I was a new mum again, and my husband had a head injury. So I started to feel quite overwhelmed because I wasn't looking after myself and I started to suffer some anxiety and a little bit of depression. Definitely wasn't postnatal depression. I, I knew that I, I wasn't having any negative thoughts about being a new mum, but I just felt pressure, I guess you could say. It was probably a long time coming, to be honest, because I'd, I'd been running at full speed. I'd been running at full speed for a long time, but... I remember I started to have all of these really negative thoughts and I was just getting really depressed, to be honest. I, it got to a stage when I wasn't sure if I wanted to be here and that was just definitely not like me at all. And so I told Jay and I decided to go and see a doctor and I sat in the doctor's office and I said, look, I really need to see someone. I'm having some really negative thoughts and it's not postnatal, but, and I don't know what's wrong with me but I think I need to take some medicine to help me get through this period. I took some medicine. I started taking antidepressants and I remember feeling really weird, almost numb. And I remember thinking this, this isn't me, but I just thought, well, you know, this must be my life now. I must suffer from anxiety and depression. I was at a client's office one day when, and just randomly she said to me, Oh, have you heard this podcast, Amy? And I was like, what? No, I haven't heard this podcast. The Melissa Ambrosini show. And I had no idea about podcasts, really. I'd never listened to one in my life. But I went home straight away and I listened to her very first podcast called The Good Life Project. My mind was blown and it kind of all just clicked. I was like, oh my goodness. The reason that I've been feeling so crap is not because of X, Y, and Z, but I haven't been looking after myself for such a long time. That day, I think I listened to about six or so of her episodes and I was 
cooked. And one of those episodes was Joshua, the owner of IIN, talking about this health coaching course that just sounded amazing to me. So I think I signed up that day and threw my antidepressants in the bin and I said to myself, this is the time I'm going to really look after myself and I'm never going to get myself in this position again. Don't recommend to anyone that they just go and throw their medication in the bin. For me, I had only been taking it for a couple of weeks but I, and I knew that that was the right decision for me. So please, if you're thinking about doing that, just go and get some help first. That was basically my lowest point in my life. And it's where the journey started, I guess. My own health and wellness journey at Mads. I remember talking to you on the phone so often after that time in my life. And we just, and you had already been going on, on your own health and wellness journey for quite a while. You were eating really great food and you were exercising quite a lot. And we just kept saying, oh yeah, like imagine if we knew this earlier, we would have gotten through some of the crazy times so, so much more easily. It was just, it's just been an uphill journey from there, really, Mads. I, um, I started studying at the IIN and I've learned all about different dietary theories. I've learned about healthy relationship, the, the need for having a career that you love. Yeah. And so since that day, I've just found a complete new outlook in life. And we're still learning, aren't we, really? So it really is just a, um, yeah, every day's a new day and you're constantly learning and finding new things. So Absolutely. And I still have periods in my life where it gets a bit hectic and I can start to get run down. But the beauty now is that I recognize it really quickly and I stop before when I get sick, I just keep running and running and running. And I'd go to events with sores on my face and I just, try and battle through I just thought that I had to battle it out but now if I get to that place or even close to that place I literally just come up with a new plan I'll bring in extra event staff and I'll just make sure that I take care of myself because I know that it's not worth putting yourself in that position absolutely and if you can't invest in you then you can't possibly be there for everyone else and be the best version of yourself so really by you investing in yourself other people are getting just as much out of it so absolutely talking about your career as a health coach something that you were just embarking on which is so exciting you've recently started taking some clients on board which I'm so proud of you for and I can just see this passion and energy in you um, to really kick some massive goals in that area. So congratulations. So can you talk to us about your career as a health coach and why you're so passionate about this? I think the reason for me wanting to do the course, one is because I've learned such lessons in my own life with the way that I treated my body. And two, with that period of anxiety and depression that I experienced, it, it's made me start thinking because I'd obviously been through so much in my childhood and I I had a lot more difficult experiences as a a kid but never ever suffered from anxiety and depression and so when I looked at the reason that I was getting depressed and, and I had anxiety now was because of the way that I was taking care of myself and I could see that so many of my friends kind of going through a similar thing with overwhelm and burnout I just wanted to help and so I started studying and I'm just so passionate about helping people to reflect on their own lives and just help them through their own journey. So talking to them about a lot of the big issues that they're facing in their life and and how they can basically help themselves because health coaches don't heal people at all. We just help to facilitate them to 
get back on onto the path and, and to find their, in a way, find their purpose, but also just to be the best versions of themselves. So I'm super excited to be in this field and it's something that I'm transitioning over slowly. So I'm still taking on events, but in just a slower manner and I'm really focusing on the health and wellness space where I feel really passionate about. Wow, very exciting times ahead. And now if anyone would like to engage you as a health coach, they can email. They can email hello at thehealthyhustlers.com or they can just send us a direct message on Instagram for now and I can send you some information about my program. Amazing. And now let's dive into your daily rituals. Do you have any that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. So the biggest one for me would be meditating. It really sets me up for a successful day and it makes me feel really grounded. And then moving my body, I really like to exercise in the morning and I like to do either a Kit Girls online program, which is just 20 minutes and I love them so much, or a Reformer Pilates session down at Upstate Yoga. Their classes are amazing. But then other times I just like to go for a walk down by the river in the afternoon. So I really do try and do something every single day, even if I've had a crazy day and I can just get outside and walk around the block or it sounds silly, but even just lie out in the sunshine, I try and get outside and just move playing with the kids or whatever. They are probably my biggest two daily rituals. Other than that, I guess they're the two constants in my life. Anything else, I do a lot of other things, but anything else is a real bonus for me because with two kids and a full-time career, (laughs) it can get hard to be consistent with anything. Yeah, well, I think even just having those one or two things a day really helps to set you up for success. And I think moving your body is definitely one and and listening to what your body actually needs. So like you say, you might not want to go to Pilates every single day. I know I woke up this morning, like I'm getting married in two weeks and on Monday I was like, okay, I'm going to Pilates every single day this week. Like I'm just really going to get my body feeling strong. And this morning I woke up and I was like, I feel like crap actually. Like I don't feel like going to Pilates and my body feels a little bit sore because I've done that for three days in a row. So I just went for a walk in the sunshine and I think it's so important to just stop and really tune in and, and see what you feel like and what, you, what your body feels capable of at that time. I feel you, Mads. I was up last night all night with Annie. She is a little rat bag and <laughs> did not want to sleep. Bag. And a cute rat bag, that's right. And do you know what? She's been going through a period where she's been absolutely obsessed with her dad. And last night was the first night that she was calling out for me. So whilst I woke up this morning feeling really tired and crap, I was really grateful to spend that time cuddling her. She wanted to cuddle me all night, so it was really nice. But anyway, oh, because I have had such a slow morning I you know have told myself it's okay don't stress about not getting up and moving just go for a walk in the afternoon yep love it so important and now do you have any non-negotiables I'm gonna have to say meditating again but sleep is another big one because when I go to bed too late I just feel off my game and today this morning's a classic example I was so productive yesterday but then this morning felt really, really slow and haven't been able to get into the work mode that I'd like to be. So sleep's a really important one, but I'm going to say gratitude as my biggest non-negotiable because it's really easy in life to wake up and just have that mindset of what you need to do and where you want to go and, you know, always wanting to be achieving, achieving, achieving. But since I started practicing gratitude, I now wake up and I 
feel and I say what I'm thankful for and I walk out into my tiny house and I say, I love your house or I don't always say that, but I usually think it and it gives you a more positive outlook in life. And I often now say to my kids when, or my husband, when they're shitty or whatever, I say, what are you grateful for? And then now they've learned to turn it back on me. So when I'm not having a great day, they say, oh, well, mom, what are you grateful for? And as, and you know, for that split second, it's annoying, but then it puts me back into that positive mindset. I have a laugh and I realize, hang on, our life is not that bad. We are pretty lucky. Yeah. So true. I love that. Thank you for sharing it. I think everyone can take a little bit from that. And it's such an easy thing to inject into your daily life, really, to just wake up and look around you. And I think no matter what you've got going on, we live in an incredible country where we've got access to so many things. And I think we can all find something to be grateful for each each day, really. Absolutely. Now, your number one health tip. Oh, my number one health tip would be to play. So I am known for not living in the present and to be living in my mind. And often I'll get so wound up with what I'm doing at work that I come home and get straight into cooking dinner. And I haven't really even paid attention to the kids. Well, anyway, in the last little while, I have made a conscious effort to stop whatever I'm doing and just play with the kids because that is where the joy is in life. It's not always through your work. It's not always through the hustle. It's just in those little present moments where you're not caring about anything and just enjoying life. So I think we all need to bring more joy into our life. And one example of that is my singing lessons. So every Thursday, which is tonight, I go to singing lessons with my daughter. I don't ever want anyone to hear me sing but it brings so much joy into my life and it makes me feel, I I know I get that spark every week. So I think everyone should do something that takes them out of their comfort zone a little bit, but also lights them up on the inside. So good. I'm going to hear you sing one day as well. (laughs) And now what advice, (laughs) thanks. What advice would you give to your younger self? I would just tell my younger self to believe in herself and to go for whatever she wanted to do in life because I remember in primary school it was a common taunt for the kids to say oh you love yourself if you were singing and I loved singing so much as a child and I know that I stopped doing it in high school because I was afraid of what people would think of me and that people would think that I love myself so I would just go back and say don't be scared do what you love and that will always bring you great experiences or it will always make you happy yeah beautiful and finally something that I'm sure you've already um practiced today or said but what are you most grateful for Madeline I'm most grateful for you because in the last few months since we started the Healthy Hustlers podcast it has been one of the most positive experiences of my life And it's because of you. I remember that day when you said to me, Amy, I really think we should start our own podcast. And I was like, Maddie, no way. (laughs) But because I was too scared and I thought I can't talk on a microphone. And when I first started talking, I was like, I really just couldn't even get the words out. But I feel like we've come so far and yeah, I'm so grateful for the time that we've spent together in the last few months and I owe you a lot so thank you very much and then thank you well I owe you a lot as well I owe a lot of my happiness and my joy this year to you and your beautiful family so thank you oh thanks Mads and then just the last thing is my family as well obviously I'm very lucky to have a beautiful husband and beautiful kids 
You do. You have a very, very beautiful family and I love getting to spend so much time with them. Ames, thank you so much for sharing your story today and letting all our fellow hustlers learn a little bit more about you and what makes you so fabulous. I'm sure everyone's got a lot out of this episode. So thank you very much. And yeah, now I guess everyone knows the healthy hustlers. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they'll listen to the next episode. (laughs) Thanks, Mads. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our new episodes each week. For a dose of weekly happy, healthy news, you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website at thehealthyhustlers.com. Until next week, make sure that you're investing in yourself to keep the hustle healthy.